Hello, and welcome back to Climb in a Castle, your definitive Disney ranking podcast. I'm Dominic. And I'm Charlie. And today we'll be discussing James and the Giant Peach. Inspired by Roald Dahl's beloved children's book, a young boy named James gained possession of some magical crocodile tongues after the daring rescue of a spider from his cruel ants. When he accidentally spills them in the garden, out sprouts an enormous peach. Inside, he finds a group of human-sized bugs who help him escape from his bleak home life and confront his sorrowful past in the midst of a magical odyssey. And this movie was, it's honestly a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I you think. enjoyed it. I don't care for it as much. I, I thought it's a lot of fun. I think it's some... It's not, it's not the worst movie out there. It's not terrible. I'm just not a fan of it myself. I don't know. I thought it was a fun little adventure. It's, it's unique. It's different. It's, I don't know. It kind of gave me like Treasure Planet vibes a little bit. A little bit. Mixed with like, what's the, 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 the other movie with the black, the black cauldron. Black cauldron. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of got those kind of vibes from it. I thought it was a fun, unique little like adventure type tale. And I'll be honest, like, apparently, I don't remember anything from this movie. Like, I feel like me I've... neither, because I swore that their car getting crushed by the peach was at the very end of the movie. But that's like the beginning of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, f- I feel like I've seen this as a child and I thought I have, but I don't remember anything from like, well, I, I thought I, I did too, but apparently I only watched that first part of the movie and didn't watch the rest of it at all. When, when I was watching it, I had to check, double check to make sure I was watching the, the right movie because when the live action was going, I'm like, I don't remember any live action in this at all. Like I had to make sure I was watching the right movie because I was so confused by it. And then I like, scrolled through like scrolled through the the bottom like the wheel just to fast forward and see if the, the little claymation comes up and I'm like, then it does i'm like okay well i guess it is the right movie i don't remember any of this <laughs> yeah but it was fun a fun new experience i guess you could say Cause i don't like i said i might have watched it as a kid but like it's been so long i've never it's I don't... basically like we watched it for the first time because yeah. i did not remember a single thing except for the peach crushing the car <laughs> We do have our fun facts as usual, though, so we can get into that. I couldn't find as many as I'd like to to find, but I think I have a couple of good ones here at least. All right, let's do it. James and the Giant Peach was Roald Dahl's first children's book. Writing a children's book was a huge shift for Dahl. He wrote normal, numerous short stories and a couple of novels for adults before trying his hand at writing a children's book. And he went on to write some of the most beloved children's book of all time. I mean, yeah. For his first children's book, I think it was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty pretty solid effort for your first book. And especially considering like some of the works that he would go on to make in the future. Like, he has some of the... I, I admit, I agree. He's got some of the greatest... Like, Matilda, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. He's got like, so many Those are hits. some of the... When you're thinking of classic, really, stories yeah. made into movies, those are, like, two that come to mind first. But the fact that this was his first book and he, like, was only writing for, like, adults and stuff like this beforehand, he made a pretty solid transition. Mm-hmm. The book was almost called James and the Giant Cherry. The inspiration for the for the Giant Peach came from a cherry tree in an orchard at Ra Dawes Buckinghamshire Countryside Home. He began to wonder what would happen if one of the cherries kept growing and growing 
He considered several different giant fruits, but eventually settled on the idea of a giant peach. So the inspiration for the movie actually originated from a cherry. I just want to know why he settled on peach. I don't know. I'm, I'm I mean, not it, sure. it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'm not entirely why he, he sure why he settled on a peach, but it is an interesting choice. The film took 12 years to reach the screen. Raw Dahl turned down numerous movie offers for James and the Giant Peach, reasoning that the story was too difficult to translate to the screen. After his death in 1990, his second wife, Felicity, decided to put the film on the market with the express hope that Henry Selleck would take the, char- the charge. Selleck had directed The Nightmare Before Christmas at the time. Dahl's daughter, Lucy, was impressed by his visual style. She agreed to test his helix stop motion treatment, and the resulting 1996 film was made. That that was good reasoning to not do it. <laughs> to not do it, and then his wife just decides, oh, well, he's dead. Yeah, I, I mean, that is, that is kind of messed up that she just like, no, well, now he's got no say in it, so I'm just going to put the film out there. I will say stop motion was probably the best option yes. for this story. Mm-hmm that mix of live action and stop motion at least because live action just straight through would have sucked in just and regular animation probably would not have been that good for this i do have a fun fact speaking on that part as well actually right after this so okay uh henry selleck director admitted in february 2001 that bookending james and the giant peach with live action scenes wasn't the ideal way to go it was a compromise my original intention had to be to, had been to keep him live act live throughout and have him be a live actor, but then that budget was too high. They didn't want to do the film as a high budget film. Then doing it all as stop motion was also high. Stop motion was expensive, was more expensive to do than the live action bookends, so it was a compromise idea. I think it was a hard on a lot of audiences. I believe it would have worked better either way, all stop motion or all James all live throughout. So the only reason that was like half and half was because they couldn't afford to do it completely either way. Yeah. Which that makes sense. Like, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I I think it is a smart idea, though. I do kind of enjoy it. Like, because it, it does add that sense of wonder, like when it makes the switch over from live action to the claymation. Although some it... of it gets a little confusing, which we'll talk about later in the episode. But I think it does add to the appeal, and it kind of like makes it takes it that magical step a little bit further. At one point in production, James of James and the Giant Peach, a single scene was being shot simultaneously on seven identical sets, each with different animators and camera crews. In order to avoid jerky movements, director of photography Pete Kozicic put his cameras on tracks and operated them by remote controls with computers. Okay, that's pretty smart. <laughs> this this was kind of crazy that they were doing this back in the early 90s that they had computers that were able to control like remote controlled cameras on tracks and stuff like that though yeah that's definitely ahead of time yeah i'm i'm pretty sure they were like one of the few people that were actually doing stuff like that and that's again the, the fact that they were shooting the same exact scene like on seven different sets with animators and crews just to try and like Worked this out was also pretty interesting. I don't know. That's just crazy to think that they had like so many of the same thing going on at once just to combine Mm -hmm. it all. To to I'm sure it was hectic to keep up with, but yeah, 
It definitely gave them the best shots that they needed. Again, speaking on that, that goes in right into my next fun fact. The project became particularly difficult when live-action scenes were mixed with animation. Production designer Harley Jessup had to create layered sets of 1940s New York and the Ants' house to smooth the transition between real and animated characters. To top it off, Selleck decided to model a 20-foot giant peach in one scene rather than use a computer effect. The peach <laughs> was a problem, said Jessup. It was made of steel, a steel frame, and foam, but weighed 2,500 pounds and was supposed to roll down a hill. We had to barge it over to Treasure Island and bring in a structural engineer to help us out. <laughs> so, Selick insisted on creating a giant peach model. That's golden. I love that. I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> this one is a bit long, so... All right. Create James' creepy, crawly, but loving companions required two years of painstaking work performed by a team of 130 people. Once these weirdly wonderful characters were sculpted, a complicated process was undertaken to build 180 puppet characters. Tom St. Amand was in charge of custom-making armatures or or metal, steel, aluminum, and brass skeletons that enabled the characters to be animated with such a wide range of emotion and expression. I look at the character sketches and try and figure out how things are going to articulate. For the bugs, we studied insects' photos and caricatured them. A real centipede has 144 arms, so we took some artistic license with our character and pared it down to 12. Even the earthworm, which looks relatively simple, has 10 joints to help him get the movement he needs. 32 department supervisors were responsible for making the latex rubber forms that were baked baked around the armature. Once the casts were finished, the puppets were sent to fabrication, where costuming was added and painting was applied. To meet the needs of production, 15 puppets were created for each of the seven main characters. 15 for each. Wow. 15 for each character, yes. So that's very similar (laughs) to, like, last week or two weeks ago when we were talking about how Nightmare Before Christmas had, like, the on-set hospital for the puppets like this one they just had yeah that was for uh frank and weenie yeah this one they just had 15 <laughs> of each puppet for, for all the characters yeah, that's, either way that's a lot of work yeah which it was kind of weird getting live action mixed with stop motion mm-hmm. animation yeah but they managed to pull it off they did a great job oh, yeah. of blending it well I have two more that are kind of connected together. Okay. When Centipede opened the door to the pirate's captain's quarters, he exclaims, a skeleton, and the puppet head that was used for the captain is actually the same that was used for Jack Skellington in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, I definitely noticed that right away. He also exclaims, jackpot, when he finds the compass, which is just kind of a little dig at Jack's name there. (laughs) Yeah. Funny. Also, Susan Sarandon, who voices Miss Spider, was married to Chris Sarandon, who voiced Jack Skellington in the Nightmare Before Christmas movies. Oh, that's great. I love that. He did the speaking voice for Jack Skellington mm-hmm. in the movie. But that's fun that they got to, to work together. Well, I don't know. If, I don't think... Well, they didn't give Jack They didn't really work together, here, but... but. <laughs> Their characters. Yeah. 
Uh, that is all the fun facts that I have for this week. Okay, fun little bit of fun facts there. We do have another conspiracy theory again, finally. This one's not too, nothing too crazy and wild like the last one that we had. Yeah. It's just, I'm just going to get throw a little bit in there because I was looking for them and I found this one. I'm like, that one kind of makes sense a little bit. So let me just bring it up just for the for the heck of it. Okay, let's hear this. The conspiracy is that Ant Sponge and Ant Spiker are sadistic witches who created the rhino to kill Jane's parents so that they could take custody of Jane's and make them their slave. I mean, yeah, that just right there makes sense because the rhino was not making sense at first for the movie. (laughs) I mean, personally, I was just taking the rhino as a metaphor. I wasn't taking it seriously as like a rhino that actually killed his parents. But like, it does sit out of place and this would kind of make a little bit more sense out of it. And those ants are pretty scary looking, so that also makes that is, sense. That is one of the reasons behind <laughs> it, is that they're, they're horrible, like, grotesque appearances. But this in this theory, they go on to say that the, the man that gives James the, the, what is it, the crocodile teeth and all that stuff is likely a wizard that knew Spike and Sponger from their past and would decide had decided to help James escape from them. It was implied that Sponge and Spiker were following James and his friends to New York City along the way. They keep trying to stop and kill him, but failed each time. The first attempt was a mechanical shark, which they said uh, Spiker and Sponge had made from pieces of sunken ships at the bottom of the ocean to, to put together to create the shark. See, that would make sense for the shark, too, because that also came out of nowhere. <laughs> And they said the next attack was the Arctic Ocean when they were searching among the shipwrecks. The Spiker and Sponge resurrected the pirate cruise ship to attack after James and the bugs, but they also were failed there. Their final attack when James and his friend reached uh, New York City was to recreate the rhino and kill James the same way they killed his parents. The attack worked, but James survived. In a last-ditch effort, Sponge and Spiker acted all nice and kind around James to take him back, but he got everyone to see around their ruse, and then in the bout of anger and desperation, they grabbed the axes to try and kill James, revealing their true nature. That would help make... That would help the story make a whole lot more sense. (laughs) Some theories that they couldn't use their magic to kill James in New York City was that from creating the shark, resurrecting the pirate crew, and conjuring the rhino, it was likely to draw a lot of magic from them and they were too drained to do anything else from that point yeah. or also like in the case of like harry potter like law you can't actually just use magic right in front of everyone like that as well so like yeah that is another theory that would cause an uproar more supporting facts we said earlier their grotesque appearance they did look very similar to which is especially yeah, their that looks ending scene. kind of made this more of a horror movie than the last two movies they were pretty horrifying looking they did have a quite a disdain for children in general, it seemed, which is very common among witches. Mm-hmm. I saw their names. Like, what kind of names are Sponge and Spiker? Apparently theirs. I mean, that one woman did look like a sponge. <laughs> it's not It's not totally impossible with this movie. <laughs> I wouldn't say this theory is completely far off. It does make a bit of a sense, and it 
It's it's, no, it's if plausible. they threw this into the movie, I may have liked it a little more because a lot of it would have made a little more sense to me. <laughs> it could have could have been a good explanation for some of the stuff that we did not get explanations for. So, which uh, going into that, should we just go ahead and start talking about the story? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and get straight into our story. All right. So for my story score, I have a sixty-eight. Uh, I have a large jump in in ours. This one, probably one of our biggest gaps, maybe. I have an 80 for my story score. See, I, again, a lot of it just did not make sense to me. Like, the whole Rhino ate his parents bit. See, yeah. now, once you explained the witch theory, <laughs> that would have helped a whole lot, but since that wasn't actually part of the movie, I can't quite just put that into I mean, logic there. Yes, getting killed by a rhino did not make sense at all. I getting killed again, by a rhino is one thing. Being eaten by a rhino. See again, which I is was before. Personally, I was taking it as a metaphor for like they got like there was a storm that happened and they got lost at sea or something like that. But like and they just didn't want to like go into detail there. I also the first time I watched the movie, I thought I heard them say raptor. And I'm like, they were killed by a raptor, which was even more confusing than a rhino. I mean, at least a raptor would have eaten them, but. (laughs) And then the rhino's a cloud. Again, that's why I'm using the rhino as a metaphor for like storms and like stuff like that. But yes, again, that does not make any sense. It is kind of weird and like strange. But like overall, I feel like the story is like a fun adventure that we go on throughout. Like, and it's funny because normally you're the one that's always trying to say, "Oh, it's a cartoon," and "Oh, it's animated," and "Oh, it's this." It's not. It doesn't have to make sense. And now it's me, the one that's saying, "Like, now you're the one, yeah. like, oh, it's a cartoon. It's fine." It's like <laughs> now you choose to say this kind of stuff. <laughs> and then in my notes, yeah. I wrote down where's CPS, and I was trying to think what CPS that was for child protection services because <laughs> of how bad those ants treated him. Yeah, they were pretty terrible to him, but like I don't know. It's always it always seems to be the nice kids that get stuck with all the horrible like guardians and stuff like that. Yeah, that builds story like, for them. It it's not fair, but those those poor but kids always those ants. Oh man, they made me so mad. Yeah, they were they were nasty. They were terrible, like, especially whenever they made him do a full day of work, and then he gets home like. Oh, I finished the work. And Aunt Sponge goes, Oh, fancy that. We just finished the dinner. Yeah. I was that was rude. Like I and was And they so wanted p- to give him molded food. That was fish heads they were trying to give him. Oh, was it yeah, it was fish heads. <laughs> like the first time I couldn't even like figure out what it was. And then like I had to like really pay attention. I'm like, oh, those like, are fish heads. And then he's just grabbing a bag out of the trash uh, and licking the crumbs. Out of Tato chips. I, I do love the brand name of the potato chips was Tato. Yeah, like, Tato. <laughs> that was pretty funny. But yeah, he steals he steals the bag of potato chips and he's eating that because that's the only thing that he has to eat. And then the next scene's like showing how he doesn't have any friends because he's making friends with the spider. Yeah, and he, he has to try and tell the spider to leave because he knows if his ants find the spider, they're going to kill him. And then he has to let us know that his name is James. <laughs> James. He, he James. Did, he did sing a whole song about his name being James. 
it was a cute song it, it was a cute song and it, it was pretty touching talking about how he's lonely and how he wants <laughs> friends and all that mm-hmm. well then his aunt's just like walk in his room while he's sleeping in the morning and start killing trying to kill the spider and it causes a whole big commotion there yeah and of course he's trying to save the spider yeah and then they took a nasty fall down the stairs which probably should have like killed hurt the spider. them a- huh that's it or it should have hurt them a lot that should have like she took a tumble down the stairs he fell like right on top of her she almost and the spider should have been crushed or something yeah, I don't know how the spider made it out of that alive either, but which the fact that he could touch the spider was kind of grossing me out. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that kid could touch that spider. I was like, nope, nope, nope. I don't know. Some spiders are cute. Nope. Instantly just <laughs> nope. <laughs> but he runs away to save the spider. And then here comes this weird older man just randomly in the woods. <laughs> like, hey, let me give you this glowing bug thing. I wish they would have given us more of him, though. I really liked him. I thought it was yeah, uh, like a, he very interesting and fun. Like, obviously, he was a bit of a magical person. Yeah. So he sh- maybe if he just randomly showed up throughout the movie to kind of help, like, settle some things, like different problems they had throughout the movie, maybe. He could have been a guide of sorts. As I was just saying, some spiders accuse the spider just, like, jump cloud down right in front of me and i freaked out <laughs> Gross. see that's what i get <laughs> although i will say the spider in this movie i used to have a weird crush on You're maybe weird. it was the french accent i don't know <laughs> but yeah they, they they could have done a lot more with that creepy random dude i thought he he had a lot of potential again he could he have been some character. kind of guide throughout the movie but, that would have been fun yeah also I love how he tells James not to let the the crocodile teeth get away or whatever, like the <sighs> bugs things are. And then he just immediately drops them like yeah. right after that. Like you had one job, James. <laughs> and then boom, suddenly this peach is growing and growing and growing because one of them jumps into the peach. Mm-hmm. Which I don't see how that peach didn't just go like rolling off to the side of, side of the cliff right away. Yeah, it was still attached to the tree somehow. That tree was still... Not necessarily like, holding it because it was touching the ground, but it, it I feel like it should have went rolling off of the side of the hill there. <laughs> yeah. Because it was like right at the edge of the cliff. And there was like no support for it. And it's not stir- like not solid ground. I guess in the time period of this movie, uh Isaac Newton has not invented gravity yet. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Actually, no, because the Empire State Building was around, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, the Empire Straight Building was still the tallest building in the world, though. Yeah. Um, also, I honestly don't blame the ants for profiting off of the peach, though. Oh, that was yeah, actually, no, they needed the money, like, and they're like, you got this giant peach. That was a surprisingly smart nice. idea to come from them. Like, yeah, I, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> Although they were a little strict about it, like, no cameras. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, they were definitely being nasty about it still, especially, like, when the, what, the girl likes to touch it. And then they're like, oh, now you don't even get to see it anymore. Go away. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, definitely can easily make money off of that thing. But then I don't understand how the people, like if that was a a thing, how did the people in New York not know about this at the end of the movie? Like, I I feel like word of what a peach was at the end of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like word of the, the, like the the world's highest peach probably would have traveled by there. Like 
that far at that point. Yeah, it should have been all over the news. Mm. Like, it wouldn't just be, like, some little roadside attraction that only a few people know about. Like, I feel like something, especially like that, it would have made actual news and, like, would have been a, a giant thing. No pun intended there, but... <laughs> yeah, but then again, that cop had no idea what a peach was. Because <laughs> they go, yeah, that's our peach. And he goes, so you're telling me that this is a peach? <laughs> but getting back, after all that, James is sent to go clean one with just a broom handle, not even yeah. the brush, but the broom handle only. Yeah, which shouldn't have been that sharp where it's able to like poke the, he's able to poke the trash, which is what he yeah. was doing. Like if, if the broom was that sharp, like the broom shouldn't be attached, shouldn't be able to attach to it to begin with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so the other, it's a shark tooth. What? The the glowing thing. Uh, crocodile teeth. Crocodile teeth, yeah. Yeah. And, which that also doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why are they bouncing glowing crocodile teeth? Uh, that was just the enchantment that the weird old dude decided oh, to. He finds one teeth. and it starts bouncing away to the peach. Mm-hmm. His idea was, oh, well, since I'm here, let me take a bite from this peach. Like the ants won't notice that. <laughs> but he eats it and then I guess the crocodile tooth gets in there and he eats it. Yeah, the magic from that was infused with the peach that he bought. He bit, took a bite out of. So, like, he basically bit into the magic peach and that's what caused him to... That like, caused a hole to come through the peach for him to crawl through. And then suddenly he turns into a claymation character. Which, that hole honestly didn't look big enough for him to fit in to begin with. But, like... Yeah. Again... It's a magical it, it's, peach. It's so. a cartoon. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but also, who who just stinks? Let me climb into this peach, though. Like, yeah. If you see a hole in a peach, your 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 first thought isn't going to be to climb inside of it and like. I would at least it. look first before I go. Well, let's go. I in. mean, he did look into it, but like, I don't know. That just seems like a weird thought process to climb inside of a peach. Yeah, and then. He goes in there and all the bugs are fighting. How long have these bugs known each other? One, because it seems like they've been with each other for a bit. Probably they've been there for what, like a quite a while. It seems like they've. But inside the peach, time. also. Well, no, they've been around the area, like living around and yeah, like outside of the the house and stuff like that. Which all of them have like different accents, mm-hmm. which I mean makes for great personalities for all of them. <laughs> But we got a centipede from Brooklyn, the spiders from France. I mean, we I'm pretty sure we had the same exact conversation in Bugs Life as yeah. well. Yes, and we did. Where, <laughs> where everyone has different accents, but they're all from the and same area. And the earthworm area. was Scottish. <laughs> yeah, we're a lot of great characters, so so Oh yeah. It, again, it gave them good personalities that we that I ended up loving. Mm-hmm. I will say that much. Um but it feels like they have known each other for a while. And I'm kind of curious how long they've been inside that peach to have all their stuff in there. Oh, I don't know. The peach was only there for at least a day, as far as we can see. But there was like a table in there. There was all this <laughs> stuff in there. Like, what happened? Uh, well, magic. Maybe that all magically sprouted when when the when the crocodile teeth like happened. Yeah. 
It's magic then, chairs and magic tables and and then it breaks into a song about them singing about New York, but they're not really thinking about New York. Yeah. And so you're suddenly thing. like, oh, he was talking about going to New York early in the movie. I know where they're gonna go. <laughs> they're gonna go to New York. But then who is it? The the centipede has the the bright idea to detach the peach. Because like, the ants are looking for him. Mm-hmm. And so he pops out of the top and starts chopping at the stem yeah. that the tree is somehow still holding on to. <laughs> like, that was definitely a terrible idea to just chop that off. I don't know how they managed to survive that. Roll. But he chopped it and it starts rolling and it crushes their car. Which they also should have died in that smash car. Yeah. Which... Fun fact, they actually did die in the books from that. <laughs> in the books, they, they they get killed in that crush, like the car crushing part, and they don't show up in New York later on. This was added into the movie. Probably for that final um, bit of trouble, mm-hmm. final conflict in the movie. Also, I think it, it, they thought it was a bit too dark if they were to die in that thing, because I heard like the book okay. actually got in trouble for that. For oh, really? Yeah. Because we've seen on, plenty of deaths in Disney movies. I think it was on like a banned book list or something for a while because of... Oh, like, I that. see. And yeah, I guess that makes sense. But Yeah, there's no way they should have survived that, like getting smashed inside of the car like that from the peach. And then... And the car should not have been drivable at all after that. No, and but they, they still somehow drove that car from England to <laughs> New York. So that would... The witch thing would explain that also, but no. (laughs) But I mean, the peach ends up in the water and suddenly can the peaches float? Well, it also had a hole in it, so it shouldn't have just filled up with water and just like sunk at that point from that. Yeah, so the peach should not have floated and they should not have been able to get all those seagulls, no matter how many they were able to find in that one spot to pick up that peach. And fly it. I, I don't know if peaches are buoyant or not. I don't know if they actually do float. And like, I kind of want to look it up, but <laughs> in terms of like <laughs> that, but either way, there was a hole in it, so it should have filled with water. Uh, yes, I do agree with this, the seagulls not being able to hold, especially from spider web. Like a spider web string is not that strong where it should be able to hold a, a seagull and like that. Okay, I'm looking it up. Peaches can float, <laughs> but it still had a hole in it. Yes. But it's like, I, was, I was also agreeing with you about the seagulls that the seagulls should not have been able to help, yeah. especially from a spider web. Like, a spider web is not that strong where it can hold on to a seagull like that without and ripping. Did those seagulls just keep flying that whole time? They didn't, like, stop? Nope, they were locked in on that, apparently. <laughs> And then he managed to catch all of those singles, all of those seagulls in one like giant swoop with a and net, <laughs> with a spiderweb <laughs> net. And then just randomly while he's doing that, they get attacked by robotic jaws. Yeah, mecha the, jaws. The, the gigantic steampunk shark is what I have it listed as. <laughs> no, I put it down as mecha jaws. <laughs> it was just a random fight. It, Again, didn't make sense, but it was entertaining. <laughs> yeah, it was entertaining, but where did the shark really come from? Where 
why <laughs> again the ants would I mean, explain that but they didn't there is also another theory that this was all just a dream by james and that like all of this stuff that's happening is just part of his imagination so he never but, really escapes his ants yeah <laughs> great that makes me feel so good about the movie and again just a theory but that's that is one of the the explanations that's used to bring a, why there's a giant random robo shark in the middle of everything we do get kung fu ladybug though yeah we do <laughs> that was a fun scene though yeah and then whenever the shark got that hook into the peach yeah that probably should have ripped it apart yeah i mean i don't know the peach seemed kind of pretty indestructible because like from the first fall it should have been like all smashed up or I'm wondering down the hill. that because of that magic crocodile tooth, it could regenerate or something. Maybe then. But that's something they the should have shown if that was a thing. That's possible. Also, I love how like only f- it was like four seagulls that managed to get away from getting cut by that string and that was enough to stop them all. Yeah. Like those four seagulls alone made the entire difference of being able to carry well, the Well, one of those seagulls was secretly Chuck Norris. <laughs> but they they catch those four seagulls and bring them back into the, the thing and I managed to escape from the, the shark. You thought it was pronounced seagull? No, it's seagull. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get a giant explosion from the shark. Yeah, it turned into a Michael's Bay movie for a second there. <laughs> it did. And then suddenly they're just flying along and they're hungry. Why did they not think of eating the peach? Yeah, I don't with? understand how James was the only one smart enough to realize it. Like, it oh, hey, we're not going to starve. We have this whole freaking fruit we're flying on right now. <laughs> I love I love that piece of centerpiece, just seeing everyone as, fruit, as food, though. <laughs> like, he's yeah. uh, the hot dog, like the... The worm Whereas, was a hot dog. The worm was a hot dog, and the seagulls were like cooked chickens. <laughs> that was a cute little scene. They should have had a slice of pizza to match his Brooklyn accent. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> but then it goes into a giant song about how how you can cook the, the peach and how, what and you can all do the different it. bugs they've all eaten. Yeah, that's, that song got pretty, pretty gruesome with some of the stuff there. Oh, no, it was funny when, uh, Miss Spider was talking about how the peach was tastier than ladybugs. <laughs> Mrs. Ladybugs over there, like, what did you just say? Yeah. I don't know. Centipede's eating quite a bit of stuff, though. He's eating rats, and it was all kind of like, I have to look at the lyrics and pull it up later. Yeah. But it's like, like, he's had his fair share of eating bugs. <laughs> but I don't know. There was more than bugs, though, that they were eating. Like, they, they seem like just monsters oh, yeah. with all the stuff and they eating were eating. Rats and stuff is like, what the heck <laughs> like i get your bugs but like there's gotta be a limit to what bugs eat too <laughs> and then during that song mr grasshopper's like stomping on the, the peach and yeah. i'm like mm, no that that's unsanitary that's gross. making making peach wine but it just turned into like root beer somehow <laughs> yeah it turned into some kind of cider <laughs> like it looked like it looked, it like, looked carbonated a it little looked bit like too. a butterbeer type thing <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the witches made that. <laughs> there's, there's more explanation. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, they eat this giant peach, then start throwing pieces of the peach at each other. Also, and centipede then, can sell, centipede can cook. Is there anything that he can't do? Like, centipede's got everything. 
And then we get that nightmare scene, which was in a totally oh. different animation style. Yeah. And oh my gosh, it was so creepy. It was so creepy, but it was it great. Was, I love it. It was James as a caterpillar <laughs> trying to escape his ants. But it led to this really great touching moment between the spider and James. Well, no, that was before. The that nightmare. was before. And then we find but, out that the spider is the one that he saved. Yeah, we had that great touching moment with the spider and James, which was really nice touch. And it talks about how she feels not necessarily secluded, but separate from all the other bugs because of, you know, she eating bugs. Mm-hmm. Which her eating bugs shouldn't seem like a big deal after the stuff. Just after the song that they were singing. Yeah. <laughs> How did they wind up in the Arctic after that, though? Like, did um, everyone just fall asleep at that same yeah, time? Yeah, everyone was asleep, and... including Mr. Centipede, who was supposed <laughs> to be getting them to where they were. I feel like they should have, like, someone should have realized before they got there. There should have been a, another person awake, like, hey, are you still awake? Are you doing good up here? Also, how how long were they asleep for that they, like, they managed to make it to the Arctic before anyone realized? A while, and those seagulls should not have gone to the Arctic anyways. <laughs> They just froze up once they got there. And then they're like, well, we need a compass. And they see a wrecked ship. Hey, ships typically have compass. So instead of flying over there, because apparently those seagulls are still flying there. Mr. Centipede just jumps into that ice cold water. Yeah. Even though bugs shouldn't be able to swim. Well, I mean, James is underwater for like an hour. Yeah, it's like they can breathe breathe underwater. (laughs) I don't know how James was breathing underwater for that entire scene they had a whole pirate scene fight there was like a whole yeah they fight with jack skeleton as a pirate because he didn't want to <laughs> yeah. be santa claus anymore <laughs> and then donald duck is there too i don't what? know if you caught that i i read about it but i didn't notice it at all. I, I noticed it like my second time watching it was like right. wait why is it why did i just hear donald duck and i look up and there's a duck skeleton it's like they killed Donald Duck. They're just prepping for next year's Halloween. <laughs> it's like, I mean, it was still a great action scene. Again, though. Yeah, this was a great, another great action scene. I will say this is probably one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, same. Um, and then it, it, they give us that split second tease of Centipede dying. Yeah, like his hat just floats up and we're all like actually upset about it. And then he pops up in pirate uniform, which I <laughs> wish he would have kept throughout the whole movie because that was sick. He looked great in that uniform. And then we see that love connection between Centipede and Spider going on. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> well, then they finally unfreeze the seagulls and then they continued flying again. Now that they know where they're going. I got really worried for a split second when Grasshopper took over that he was going to like turn on him and like kick him off of the top there. I don't know if that was just me or I just, it just got, like. I feel like they formed a connection after that. Because like, after Centipede came back, they were both like apologizing to each other and being bros again. They were, but like, I don't know, just the way they set that scene up, like when he shows up, oh, and he like, he's like putting them asleep and he puts the blanket on him and he puts the chair on him. And then he like puts the chair like right off to the side. That would have been a like, perfect opportunity to just take the chair in. Whoops. There was like the split second where I thought he was gonna like sparting sparta kick the, the chair off. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> like that's just how my he brain works. He has the works. legs for it, so <laughs> that's just how my brain works. But I'm like, no, he's getting like I thought he was just gonna turn on Leonardo's <laughs> coming through. This <laughs> is 
a peach. It just kicks him off. But that's that's how my brain like thought for a split second, and uh, it didn't happen that way. He actually was nice to him. But then, like, Centipede goes to sleep and then wakes up, like, two seconds later to sing a song, which was... <laughs> Probably because Grasshopper was playing his violin. <laughs> but he didn't, like, wake up during, the, like, the first, like, the whole time he was playing the violin in the beginning. He just kind of, like... just chilling there, like, trying to fall asleep, smiled. but he kept playing the violin and was like, I can't sleep listening to this. And then he just jumps into the song. Yeah. Everyone does. Everyone comes out of their sleep to start singing. <laughs> Which, it was a great song. It was. And that was a touching moment to see that, you know, oh, they do all care about each other. They're calling <laughs> each other family and that they love each other. Yeah. Uh, but they do make it to New York. Which, I don't understand why they didn't just release some of the seagulls to start descending upon New York at that point. Yeah, they should like, have started that already. All they all they had to do was just cut a few of the webbed strings. They, all they had the to do was cut go. four seagulls away. <laughs> yep, that's true. But, nope. Instead, they just like they keep flying over it a bit, and that's when this rhino shows up again. Which, yeah, again, it's out of nowhere. No Here comes the cloud rhino, <laughs> and James is like, No, you all go take care of the seagulls. I got this. What was he planning on doing with the rhino? I don't know what he was planning. What was he going to do? <laughs> just look at it, go, No, bad. <laughs> I mean, that is, rhino. that's exactly no. that's what he did, and it, it worked <laughs> somehow. And then and he falls straight onto the top of the Empire State Building. He should have died. He should have died. I completely agree. That was not gonna lie. Well. I was expecting him to be impaled. <laughs> he should have been impaled, honestly. That that's a little dark, but also, like, I feel like that peach. Again, magic's, magic's involved, but the peach sort of like completely split in half and just fell off of the top of the entire state building. Yeah, instead of, just... of the peach being impaled. Yeah. <laughs> it should have completely broke with Especially the way like it the fell. Force, the force that was falling and all that. <laughs> yeah. Also, where do they get a crane that big? And where do they keep uh, a yeah, crane Yeah, I have that, that down too. Like, they just have this giant crane like it's this. It's like the size of a building that can just roll around the entire city. I mean, I'm sure they had to do something to get that Empire State Building built, but... Not with a crane. Like No, <laughs> that crane was ridiculous. That That's just not something that you just leave around the city. <laughs> and I'm still mad at that officer for not knowing that it was a peach, like... I mean, when it's up and all the way up at the top, it's understandable to be confused. It was so high up, but like That's once one they thing, brought but it down, but then once it's on the ground, he's still not believing that it's a peach. Also, like the guy that they sent with the crane to go grab the peach, that doesn't seem like it was the safest way to get them down. Like just to to just attach the crane to the the peach to the crane and lower them while they're standing on the peach. Yeah, that peach definitely should not have stayed on that hook. <laughs> Like, don't you think it would have been smarter to get James off of the beach instead before you lower it down? And then again, like, how did the ants drive from the UK to America in that car? Well, the car should have been undrivable to begin with. But the, exactly. That's besides the fact of them driving from London to America, <laughs> which it was all filled with water, it looked like. And like, yeah. So apparently they just drove it over water, underwater, or something. Witches. And then they said it's our peach, which here's my thing. It is their peach. <laughs> yes. Because it, it grew on their property. 
<laughs> that's all I'll give them. Yeah, it is true. It is their peach. But like, <laughs> I, it also just seemed like terrible police police procedure the entire time. Though, like, you have them screaming at James. The the, the police officers are standing there, and then they pull out their axes and start charging it. James. Uh, before and... that, I will say I really liked his speech about how you know, yeah, I could have dreamed this all up, but New York was basically one big dream. Yeah, I mean, that was a great speech that he gave and it made a lot of sense, even though, like, nothing he said did make sense. But, like, the police don't do anything when they pull out axes and start tra- charging it at James. Don't you think the police sort of went and, like, tackled them down and arrested them at that point? Yeah. Um, and I also have something knowing... written in my notes. So they sat stat big. Hey, what? It says so they stat S T A T big. I don't know what I was trying to write there. <laughs> <laughs> they saw big. <laughs> I don't know. Because my my other note was everyone else seeing big bugs there and not freaking out like the ants did. Oh, I think I don't know why it typed out like this. I think I was trying to type so. They stay that big. Oh, the bugs? Yeah. Yeah. Because so. once James left the... I don't know why James went back to... Maybe the magic wore normal, off of him. But then why did it not wear off on the bugs? The bugs just stay that way? I don't know. Maybe they're just... Because they they're keep eating the peach. <laughs> well, eventually that has to run out. And then during the credits, we watch how they're all building their lives in New York. And they're living in the pit now. I mean, also all the other kids and everyone in the entirety of New York ate that peach when it was sitting there because someone had the bright idea. One of the kids, can we eat the peach? And like everyone just starts eating this. Peach. And everyone and he's like, yeah, go ahead. It's been in the ocean, in the air, being carried by seagulls, which probably pooped on it. Rolling down a hill. like Rolling the down a hill. It ended up on top of the Empire State <laughs> Building. Let's be real. That thing's not been cleaned. <laughs> it was a nasty peach. Unless someone there. takes that crane and starts sanitizing up there. <laughs> it was a nasty peach, I'm sure. But everyone enjoyed it. Apparently, that was the greatest peach that everyone ever had. And then they turned the... I like this part where they turned the pit and made it a home in the middle of Central Times Park. Square. What? Central Park. Central Park, that's what I meant, yeah. So how did the pit look bigger than the actual peach, though? <laughs> For real. Like, the pit looked like it was bigger, because it was like a three-story house. Yeah, we and... don't see the pit during the whole movie at all. No. We just see peach and peach and peach, like it had no pit. <laughs> God damn it. Now you're going to get the peach song stuck in my head <laughs> after that line. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, we don't, they probably don't go that far into the peach to get to the pit when they're inside yeah. of it. But, you know, once they start living there, in the credits, we start seeing they're living a happy life. Like, the grasshopper is uh, this talented, famous violinist now. The spider owns a nightclub. The ladybug <laughs> has her thousandth baby. Yeah, delivers. Uh, yeah. She was delivering babies. And then, I don't remember what I said for centipede. Like, you want to race? I, I don't I don't remember exactly what it said. Well, and I don't remember what it said for uh worm. <laughs> oh, and Glowworm just becomes the new Empire or a uh, Statue of Liberty Why? Yeah. Like, does she ever come down now? <laughs> no, nope, she just lives <laughs> up there now. <laughs> but I mean, as um, as confusing as the story was, it was still a bit of fun. 
I thought it was a fun adventure and it was a lot of entertaining moments and it was like a a good movie to just lose let let go of all that strict strictness and just kind of let it go and <laughs> it was a fun adventure I felt because again none of it made sense but it was all entertaining and it was again it's as compared to like Mary Poppins or something where like it's just random stuff this was all like part of an adventure where it like made sense for all this kind of stuff to be happening yeah um are you ready to move on to characters yeah i think i'm i'm ready to move to my characters all right uh for my characters i have an 86 i also have an 86 okay (laughs) there's a lot of fun characters in this movie and they all have very strong personalities and it's again this was back in the 90s I feel like they don't give us these kind of characters as much anymore. No, like, they don't. They really do not. We'll we'll get them here and there, but like these are just your fun. Like everyone and there's goes off. Not really any characters that are the exact same. Mm-hmm. They all are separate personalities. Unlike where there's some that kind of have the same personality. Uh, James, he's a he's a very kind, smart kid. Yeah, James is a very great character to have as a main character is because he's so easy to root for like you just yeah. want to see james succeed and get we want life. james to have his happy life that he wanted he loses his parents and then he stuck with the nasty evil witch ants which they were both just unbelievably rude they were and grotesque terrible. <laughs> they were absolutely horrible and like some of the worst villainous characters that we've seen, even though, like, they didn't actually do a whole lot. Like, we only just see a little bit of what they're capable of, but, like, they're just nasty, terrible characters and people. I have Mr. Centipede also next. Centipede. And, I mean, he's he's a centipede from Brooklyn who says he's traveled all around the world. Centipede was my favorite. I love uh, He was awesome, yes. I loved him. <laughs> He just always had some kind of great joke to throw in there. And he, always, and he was your stereotypical br- guy from Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, strong-headed, kind of brave, ready to take on the world. Again, I had this weird crush on Miss Spider. Yeah, you're weird. <laughs> at one point <laughs> as a kid. As a kid. And I think it was the French accent, let's be real. <laughs> but, you know, these movies make you actually like spiders. At least the spider characters. Yeah, because I started thinking about a bug's life Mm -hmm. where we had that spider and I loved her as a character. Yeah. And as spider was kind of kind of a bit of a mother figure here for James. Yeah. And throughout this like entirety of his journey together. And then we got a little bit of romance between spider and centipede. Just a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit like we see it. She kisses his cheek. And then they danced together during that one song mm-hmm. where they got a bit close at the end. <laughs> uh, Mr. Grasshopper, you know, I liked him. He wasn't one of the, I, I shouldn't say he wasn't one of the more standout character, but characters, but he had his moments. He, and I think he, he was, was a classy gentleman like character. Yeah. Which is not always one of my favorite characters, but it's mm-hmm. still not a bad character. Yeah. And while Mrs. Ladybug was the more ladylike character. But she did some good karate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Earthworm. 
who I thought was funny. He was kind of just a coward the whole time. Um, I meant to say this during the story section, but sometimes it looked like he could look around and see things because he would look at everyone and know where they were. Yeah. But he was blind. Yeah. Because he didn't have eyes, you know. He had, he also wore the sun, like the sunglasses too. Like, yeah. It's like, to show it. but he was Heart still was... able to somehow look around and know where people were. Artworm was hilarious. I thought, oh, was... he was hilarious. I want to get to that in entertainment because he had some great jokes. I, I loved the back and forth banter between him and Centipede all the time. Like they were just constantly going at it with each other. And mm-hmm. it was just, such a fun character. Um, I put Glowworm, but we don't get a whole lot of Glowworm. Yeah. Glowworm is the only character they really didn't give us anything of. Like, she's there for, like, one second in the beginning, and I'm like... She's a stereotypical, just... like, grandma character. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she can't hear. She's confused the whole time. They really didn't give us anything with her, but, like, besides, like, the two little moments that they had with her. So, Yeah. But one of the things that I loved about the the characters in this movie is that they gave James like a bonding moment with each of the characters, pretty much, mm-hmm. for the most part. Like he had that moment with the centipede, centipede when he was, I think it was when they were up on the thing when he was navigating. Yeah, he had the moment with the earthworm when the earthworm was t- bumped into him on accident, and he was telling him how scared he was of everything or whatever. And James gives him that little speech to cheer him up. And then he has the, his own moment with the spider before he goes to sleep. And like he has this great little bonding moment with each of the characters, and it really yeah. helps strengthen each one of the characters and himself. Except as well. for Glowworm. We didn't get much of Glowworm. Yeah. Well, that's like I said, she barely showed up, unfortunately. But like all the other like major characters he had that moment with. And I thought yeah. it really added an extra dimension that we needed for all the characters. Oh, that's really all the characters we got besides, you know, the policeman and <laughs> a couple of the kids. Yeah, I mean, it's a small group of characters, but again, they all have their own distinct personalities that work so well together and like do so it's much. Like, add it's so much better to movie. for movies to have that small group of characters so they can focus more on how their personalities are going to be. Instead of when we get some of those movies with this like giant list of characters and suddenly it's like, well, these characters aren't going to have any kind of moment in this movie. Yeah, at uh, all. it's it's good. Be- it's interesting because like this isn't necessarily a small group of characters like we, we've seen smaller groups. We've seen smaller groups and like, what is it, five or six of the bugs? Like that's a, a decent size for like trying to share the screen as side characters but they managed yeah. to do it well and like not make it seem like it's too many and like they're hogging the, the the screen. Like they have a great balance between the side characters and James and making them all seem important. Yeah. Which again, we could have gone to more glowworm and more of the one old man or weird man. Yeah. But even then this group of characters were still fun. Yeah. I agree. Um, that's all for characters that I have. Yeah, yeah, I think we we can move on to visuals then. All right. Um, for my visuals, I have it at a seventy. Ooh, another major jump in our scores here. I have an eighty-six for for visuals. I uh, which... the thing I liked about visuals was mostly the character design. 
Yeah, character and some of the camera movements were really good too. Was great. It was a, a lot of other cool, fun stuff that happened. Uh, the fight, the or fight whenever scene. those skeletons first come mm-hmm. uh, to life. The transformation of like James when he was crawling through the piece and going from live action to to claymation was also really cool. Or reverse it. whenever he crawled out yeah. and he was going from claymation to live. The design inside of the peach was really cool, like the mm-hmm. way they, the furnishings and all that, and like how they made it look like an actual like house and stuff like that. I think one of my biggest problems was kind of the stop motion. This point, it wasn't bad, but compared to you know, we just watched Frank and Weenie, which came out in 2012, so there were yeah. a few years difference in that. But also compared to the Nightmare for Christmas, I felt the stop motion was a bit weak uh movement wise yes i feel like like they definitely didn't move as as well as they did in the other movies but again i think the character design made up for that though i thought the character design was really good and then i i know it was hard to do this any other way but the background of new york was kind of i don't think it was good I don't know. See, I thought it was fun. I think it, it, I thought it was cool the way it was like a, a layered effect of like it was kind of like a stage design and like you had the New York backdrop and then you had to like kind of have the layered animation on it. Yeah. I and thought it just, was it's interesting. There were also bits where parts, uh, part of things outside of the peach definitely were stop motion because they kind of had to. I don't see. I the like the the water design I thought was fun too. Water like, design was good. Again, we always talk about water in the movies, and this was I feel like another another good water design. Yeah, and well, then... I think my biggest problem were the seagulls were not live, <laughs> which I, that shouldn't be a problem because you know how are they going to get that many seagulls? <laughs> but they should have done something to show that the seagulls were also turned into this claymation magic mm-hmm. effect instead of just. Oh, these seagulls are also claymation. Yeah. Out of nowhere. See, the the biggest issue I had visually with this was the picture quality. Like last week, and I brought it up for the first one of the first times, and I said we always forget to bring it up. But like the picture quality on this was pretty bad. Like it was yeah. very grainy. It, it was yes. It looked like it was a movie that was made in like the seventies or eighties, like rather than the nineties. Yeah. Late nineties at that. Which is, it's always, like, that's something that always in- interests me, as to how, like, some older movies, like, they're able to recreate it or remaster it and make it look so nice. But then there's other things that, like this, you can't, like, it looks pretty bad, like, the quality of it. Yeah. It's it's just always interests me as how, like, some of that. Which, maybe really... it was just difficult for them to do, but. Yeah. But. I don't also, know, this. This felt weak visually to me compared to some of the past movies. I don't know. I think, personally, I thought there was a lot of cool visuals. Like, the whole scene when they're talking about the peach and how, what you can do to cook it and stuff. Like, all those yeah. all the things they were doing with the peach there, I thought, was really fun and really cool to see. And they really utilized the, the whole, like, claymation aspect of it, what, what they were doing with the peach there. And then I will say there were some good camera camera movements and... Even like the explosion, the shark explosion. I thought the shark that was explosion fun. was fun. It was cheesy, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, that's really all I have written down for visuals. Oh, 
the dream animation was really cool oh oh too. yes when, i forgot i just forgot to write that down <laughs> that that kind of animation it's not common but i've never liked it because it just creeps me out see i thought it was really cool it's or either that awesome. or i think of when tom bergeron was doing america's funniest home videos and he would have those clips where he would plaster his face on videos to make him seem like his home videos <laughs> and that's all i could really think of mm. i don't know uh, that kind of animation normally just creeps me out though it was really cool animation though and it was a creepy dream i will admit it, that it was they, unique though. they got their point across <laughs> i will say it was unique there was also this really creepy carving and like the front of one of the sunken ships that looked really cool when they were. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. There was like these two like weird faces that were carved into the like the front of the ship. That looked really yeah, whenever cool. they were in the water. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Those were scary, but. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind well, of the point. And also, when they were flying through space, there was that one scene when they were just randomly flying through space and they were yeah. singing. It was the family song, right? It was the family song they were singing. Yeah, yeah. And there's like a diorama of all the planets floating around them. And then I suddenly just... he grabs the sun and it's a peach. <laughs> like I thought that was a fun. That turns fun into glitter sequence. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, I do think I'm ready to move on to atmosphere now, though. All right. Uh, for my atmosphere, I have a 90. I have an 84. Okay. A bit of a difference again. But... A little bit of a difference. You know, I mean, I still enjoyed the score. The score was great. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed the music. At first, I did not care for the music too much, but they're pretty catchy. So yeah, they kind of grew on me. They've been definitely growing on me as well. I agree. Like, it's not. I didn't think they were the greatest songs at first. I I appreciated the songs for what they were, but they <laughs> like I just didn't like think they were like my kind of songs. And then they just like throughout the week, they just been like popping in my head, and I've been thinking mm-hmm. about it more. And I'm like, oh, that's more of a great song. Like the family mm. song was definitely, we're family, we're yeah. family. I, I enjoyed that and it was fun and it was fun for uh, eating the peach. That was not my favorite song. That as dark as that song about. was, because they're talking about <laughs> eating other bugs. Yeah, that song they really got like pretty nasty with those. I'm gonna pull up those lyrics now because I have to see what. Yeah. Song. Uh, and as we said before, my name is James. That was a cute little song to introduce yeah. us to James about how he wanted friends and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, and then it's, I loved, like, this was, you could definitely get the Randy Newman charm from all the music as well. Oh, yeah. Like, you can hear it immediately. Especially, especially in that last song where, you know, you hear Randy Newman sing. Yeah, it, it is. You, you get that classic, you're thinking of Toy Story and a Bug's Life. It is crazy how much nicer his songs are without him singing the song <laughs> like no offense to randy newman but like uh, his his timbre and his voice is unique but like and it works for some songs you can hear like the how great the composition is from like the the bug singing and stuff like that and like all the background music is all like really fun also yeah like it's it's crazy how much of a difference that it makes between having him sing his own songs and having other like actual characters in the movie singing his song. Which the voice actors for the bugs were yeah. great. All the voice it... actors were great. Even the James, like James is an actor. 
did a wonderful job. James was an actor and a voice actor in this movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he did a fantastic job. Okay, I have the lyrics pulled up for for (laughs) eating the peach. Jellied bugs and curried slugs, earwigs cooked in slime, mice with rice is very nice when they're roasted in their prime. (laughs) Don't forget to sprinkle them with just a pinch of grime. My gosh. The bug is eating mice. Then it says mosquitoes on a piece of buttered toast and pickle spines of porcupines. What? <laughs> what? Like, oh, I, I remember hearing about the porcupines now. It was like, that is insane. <laughs> what a sicko. Uh, dragon's fresh. Dragon, uh, dragon's flesh, sorry. Quite old, not fresh. It costs a buck at most. It comes in barrels if you order it by post. Now, what do you say? Oh, geez. For my birthday birthday dinner, shall I tell you what I chose? This was the grasshopper singing this part. Yeah. Hot noodles made of poodles on a slice of garden hose. I'd rather a smelly jelly made of armadillo's toes. This jelly's delicious, but you have to hold your nose. Uh, the last verse, I don't remember who was singing it. Was it the spider? Maybe. Oh, well, how does it go? And I uh, can tell I you. I crave the taste of ten- tasty tentacles of octopi for tea. I love hot dogs, but I love hot frogs. And I'm sure you'll agree. I'm pretty sure this is centipede. A plate of soil with engines oils, a super recipe. I hardly need to mention it's practically free. Yikes, they're not just eating bugs. They're eating, like, animals that are supposed to be larger than them. They're eating everything. They're eating The grasshopper ate poodles? Poodles. What is wrong with these bugs? (laughs) Yikes. Yeah. Sick. Sick twisted bugs. <laughs> uh, and then we can't forget this song. Uh, That's the life. <laughs> and you're just going to go straight from that. Yeah, yeah, because I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> we get into That's the life, and they're basically singing about New York without mentioning New York. Uh, one of one of the things I love, uh, it was the the f- first song they sing. The, is that is that That's, That's the, the life. life. Yeah. Well, one of the things I loved about that is that they managed to like incorporate like a whole bunch of different genres all into one song and like oh yeah, it like it different... changed around a bit for sure. Yeah, like it started off as like a, it was like a jazz song, and then it kind of goes into like a pop song, and then there's like and other then, elements to it, and then it yeah, like, finally it... finishes in like a whole Broadway number. Yeah, it was. Really and cool I mean, it, it worked that. very well. Mm-hmm. And then again. The background music was great throughout most of it as it, well. It, it was a fantastic score. Uh, I don't really have anything else to add to. Yeah, also, me neither. So Grasshopper's violin song was was great. Oh, when he was his explanation for how he how what he was playing it matched with how he felt. Mm-hmm. With that, we can move to entertainment. All right. Uh, well, for oh. entertainment, I have it at a sixty-four. Jeez, this is our biggest difference ever, I believe. I have a 89 for my entertainment score. Gosh, yeah. I mean, again, it's not a terrible movie. What really killed me was how confusing the story was. See, I don't know. I just had a lot of fun with this movie, personally. I thought the bugs were all hilarious. There were so many great jokes. I will say there were some amazing jokes. My favorite one being when Earthworm talked about his brother being cut in half. And he's like, 
Yeah, and now I have two half brothers. <laughs> that, <laughs> like, that was one of my favorite jokes. Also, that's what I, that's one of the ones I have written. Because down if the worms, the worm has two heads, one on yeah. each side, mm-hmm. so it's cut in half. So it became two worms. <laughs> <laughs> that joke was great. There were so many other great jokes throughout this. That joke was entirety. like the most spot on, perfect. Ten out of ten. There was some some I forget what what happened in the scene, but the the joke was he was committing pesticide, and I was that was like also from Earthworm over that one. Or no, that was the grasshopper because centipede yeah. jumped into the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that that joke. Had the me grasshopper went. Up. He committed pesticide. <laughs> was, that was such a great joke. And there's just so many other great jokes throughout this entirety of this movie. And then even just like funny scenes in general, like when they were all fighting over the food on top of the Yeah, the, and the peach. Grasshopper just and, comes up like, Hey, I need this. I have a higher metabolism. Yeah. <laughs> and then just uh what right before that, even when Centipede seeing them all as, as for different kinds of food and just picturing them as different foods. Then he starts uh-huh. pulling one of the seagulls down <laughs> to eat that. <laughs> It's like a, a cooked chicken. <laughs> and when Earthworm is panicking and he just walk like goes walks straight into James and he's like freaking out at yeah, all he's things. Freaking out over that. It was hilarious. Um and then, I also liked whenever they were being attacked by the shark and mm-hmm. Miss Ladybug starts swatting at it <laughs> the <laughs> missiles with her purse. Mm-hmm. And then Grasshopper at afterwards is like, Hey, we need a commend miss ladybug for how great she did fighting that off yeah <laughs> and all, her response was well they were being rather rude <laughs> but there was just so many funny moments there was a lot of great action scenes too like that whole pirate action sequence was so much fun to me there, there was plenty of good things about the movie i just did not like the story necessarily uh, and i personally thought it was a lot of I fun mean, i think again like i said this was a great Fun. 64 is still above average eh, barely <laughs> yeah barely but it's still above average i could have like dropped it down to 50 or 40 mm. but uh, that, I, that that's not reasonable for again, this movie i felt the same kind of vibes from this that i was getting from like back black cauldron and atlantis and stuff like that i thought it was a fun little action adventure like kind of story and it like the characters were a lot of fun like we said and the songs were great too like they were very catchy songs yeah and... i know we talk about how hard it is to judge movies but this one was pretty hard for me because <laughs> yeah even though i didn't like the story or visuals much i did like the characters and the atmosphere so i was really struggling with this <laughs> are we ready to to give an overall score then yeah let's go ahead okay for my overall score i have an 86.2 and i have an 74.4 this might be one of our biggest differences. Oh yeah, like, it is to date. I don't. Which I will I... say, this puts this tied with Snow White. See, I was I was just about to say, I feel like Snow White is the only other movie that we've had this big of a difference with before, overall wise. So this has really the same liked... score as our very first movie, which I was praising for being a good movie to start with. Yeah, which you really like Snow White, and I did not like Snow White. So which shows was... that this movie isn't bad. I don't think this is a bad movie. <laughs> I, don't, I really enjoy this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I think it's different. Also, we completely forgot to bring up this in the beginning. I mean, I bring it, brought it up in the fun facts a few times, but 
this is Henry Selleck, like Henry Selleck directed this movie, and we were tricked into believing this was a, another Tim Burton movie somehow. Tim Burton only produced. Yeah, he produced it. Which, and he, that's like, the thing. A lot of people it. see these stop motion movies and instantly go, oh, it's Tim Burton. This is Tim Burton. That's exactly what happened with me. I thought this was a Tim Burton movie. And like, I see was my problem was I only thought it that because everyone else was telling me it was Tim Burton. And I was like, okay, it's Tim Burton. Like, you're not the only one who thinks this. Yeah. Other people have told <laughs> me that it's a Tim Burton movie. It's but like, that's oh, what you okay. just assume it's the tim burton movie like when when you think of this it's it's got a, a tim burton feel to it. it it's it's very similar yeah but again henry selleck himself has said he's he's got a very similar feel to tim burton as well which is why he was in charge of taking them before christmas because his style is very similar to tim burton style as well mm-hmm so it makes sense as to how they can be easily confused. So none of these past movies were really Tim Burton. Well, God. All... <laughs> Story-wise, Frank, the Frank stories were his. Frank and Winnie, he actually did direct. And he he was in charge of making it. Yeah. But Henry Selleck directed this. and then, But, I mean, they all still do kind of technically tie together in a, in yeah. a sense. Like, Which is funny because is... you were saying how Frank and Winnie was the one that we didn't feel like or was the one that didn't feel like it should be a Disney essential necessarily, yeah. but we mm-hmm. were throwing it in because of all the other Tim Burton movies. Yeah. And the other two movies weren't even Tim <laughs> Burton movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I, I didn't realize this was Tim, Tim Burton until I started watching this movie for the podcast and it said directed by Tom Selleck. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> it's not directed by Tim Burton. He's only a producer. But again, yes, it's, they're all, all three movies, they're claymation, they're all kind of have a, a like a theme to they're, it. They're, so they're definitely connected. So it's it's not like we're completely off base by by throwing them together. But also, now we I, can be on base. I'm, I said Tom Selleck and it's Henry Selleck. <laughs> That's completely different people. I didn't even catch that you said Tom Selleck. That's a completely yeah. different person. I, I know. That's why I just thought about it right now and I like, clicked into my brain. I'm like, let me correct myself there before I get a bunch of. Like, I heard the Selleck part. I went, yeah, you said Henry Selleck. No, I said Tom Selleck. I'm, like, I'm I like, no, catch that. that's not. Well, the same I was going to let you just go with it. I know you would have, and I would have, I would have just went with it too. But I'm like, no, people are going to give me a whole bunch of crap for this, and I'm not going to let That's it stand. That's great. But <laughs> starting next week, we will be back on track with Christmas movies. Yeah, and we had a hard time choosing between Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas and A Christmas Story, to the point where Dom rolled a die. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and it landed on a number for Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how it was settled. I mean, it kind of makes sense. We don't really get a chance to do too many Mickey movies, so it's kind of... Yeah, like, I think our last one was Fun and Fancy was yeah, Fun and Fancy Free, Fun and Fancy maybe. Free was the last one that we had, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know how many other, like, we're going to actually have in Essentials either. I don't think there's too many other actual, like, Yeah, Mickey no. Like, Mickey movies. Mouse doesn't have too many movies. Yeah. Most of his were shorts. Mm-hmm. So, like, alright, whatever. We'll, we'll go with Once Upon the christmas which i don't know if i've ever seen this or not i have Maybe. but i don't fully remember it at all but yeah we're like uh, i guess we'll we'll keep up with the theme of like we did halloween stuff for halloween so now i guess we should do christmas stuff around christmas so we're time. gonna do mickey's once upon a christmas and then we're gonna hit the 
we're probably going to do all three Santa Claus movies. Probably. Just get them all out of the way. Yeah. I don't think the third one's necessarily considered a central. Second yeah. one, maybe. The first one's definitely. The first one is definitely. The second one, I've, from what I what I see and hear, it is pretty pretty good as well. It, it's it's pretty liked. The third one, I kind of remember. Yeah, I, we might we might not do the third one in this season, and we might do something else. I, I think we should just to get it out of the way since we're doing the other two. But we don't need to, like then that defeats the whole essentials purpose, though. Like, yeah, I feel like that's like we should. But that be was the same to... reason we did Frank and Weenie. Yeah, but Frank and Weenie is a bit different, though. <laughs> Frank and Weenie is not just. Uh, we'll figure it out, and I don't know if oh, if we, we decide it's not essential enough, we could just go to Christmas, uh, or we can just do something completely. I almost and... said Christmas Story. That's not the movie. <laughs> Christmas Carol. <laughs> Christmas Carol. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we'll figure it out. We we don't know exactly this this whole season. It's just gonna this be whole season's like... gonna be tough for us to figure out. Go well, the well. other se- two seasons, it was okay. We'll do it by order of release. Yeah. This one we're doing it differently, and it's going to be a bit weird, but we'll get through it. Yeah, we're we're gonna figure it out. We'll have fun with it, and it's gonna gonna be interesting. We're gonna keep you on your toes. That's all. You'll never know what to expect next. <laughs> oh yeah, that's gonna be the fun. Tell we tell you about it the episode before. <laughs> but at, we can turn this into like a fun guessing game. Oh, what do you think they're gonna cover next? And like, send we'll us... give you multiple choices. Also, if you have ideas for what you want us to cover as well, please send them to us. So, like, yeah, we have our list set up. But like, if there's movies that you really feel it should be covered this season, we want let to us know that. what you feel is essential. Like, I will go and tell you. You know, we do have Pirates of the Caribbean. We're yeah. going to save that for the end of the season. There's also movies that are essential, maybe essential to to you or to me that like aren't necessarily essential that we're drawing there because we feel that they're essential. Like, I already yeah. have a few. And I'm like, oh, these were well. The for, according to the list, a lot of them that I consider essential are already on there, like the Goofy movies, the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, there's those, but then there's others that might have been like your favorites growing up, but it wasn't a big deal. Like it was like for yeah. me, I know personally for me, Jungle to Jungle was a huge part of my childhood because I had the VHS of it and I watched it all the time, <laughs> and like that's an essential to me, but like. Probably half of the, it's not a very popular movie. I feel like, like it's very it's compared to like Mighty Ducks and stuff like that. Like not I've never seen actually. that movie. Exactly. So like that, that like something like that would be a, a, one of my choices for like my essentials. And like I'll throw it in there, and like we'll we'll discuss this like mm. on our own and stuff, and figure out which movies we want to choose to put in for our essential choices. But I think that's a fun fun thing for us to do this season as well. Yeah, I mean. Give us ideas. We love hearing feedback. I've had a few people come up to me in person and be like, hey, I just listened to your podcast. You're doing great. I love this. Yeah, we love we love hearing. So only tell us good things. No, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) No, we want we we take criticism as well. We we want the feedback. We want to know how y'all are actually really how y'all are really feeling about this podcast. Mm -hmm. And we do appreciate it. So but Again, we do have a lot more to come this season, and we're just getting started still. So, uh, with that, may all your dreams come true. Bye.